Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And today, we're going to be looking at what does it look like to love much. You know, I was praying with with Pastor Toledo before uh, the message, and we were praying, and we were praying, God, make us a people that their love is extravagant. Make us a people who love with everything that we have. And today, we're going to be looking at a story that is an incredibly powerful story of of uh, in the Gospels of someone pouring out their love on Jesus. And you know, um, really this message is, is an interesting one because I don't know about you, but love is always demonstrated. Lord. Yesterday I, I, was, I was home uh, and I was on my couch uh, just sitting there and my daughter came up to me and she says, She's six years old, and she says, Dad, can I sit in your lap? And of course, I was like, no, not right now. No, I said, yes, of course, right? Of course you could sit in my lap. That's like the highlight of my week. You know, so she climbs up in my lap, and then, you know, you know how kids have like the little hands, and they can't get all the way around you, and they say like, they hug you, and they like pat you. It's like, there's nothing like that. And, and as my daughter wrapped her hands around me, I was just hugging her, and, and, I, and it, she's got those, you know, those little, those little kid cheeks, and I, I, I was kissing her cheeks, and, and you know what? She was hugging me, and she was squeezing me real tight, as tight as she could, and you know what? That was not forced. You know why it wasn't forced? Because we love each other. And when you love someone, you don't have a problem showing it. When you love someone, you're gonna demonstrate for them that you have a heart for them, that you love them. And I believe that today, we're gonna read a story that's gonna, it's gonna raise the bar on what does it mean to demonstrate our love for God. And you know, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, you know, I know I'm supposed to love God, but sometimes I don't feel like I really do love God. That's okay. Don't be condemned by that. What that means is that you need a revelation of how good God actually is. You need a revelation of what God has actually sacrificed for you. You need to understand the immensity of God's glory and you need to understand how beyond God is and how much of an of a incredible sacrifice it was for him to come to the earth so that he could love you. When you begin to get a revelation of that, then you don't have to force it. It's kind of like, hey, can I come sit in your lap, please? Because when you've had a revelation of the goodness and the greatness of God, then there's no pulling teeth to get you to demonstrate that love. Today's, the title of the message today is Loving Much. Loving Much. And I, I wanna look at this passage in a way that allows us to be able to dissect a little bit of how we can demonstrate our love for God how we can demonstrate our love to God. And this story is um, maybe a passage that maybe some of you are familiar with, maybe some of you are not, but this passage is in the Gospels and it's about a feast that Jesus was invited to. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it here and then I'm gonna make a couple of remarks before we dive in. But before we read it, I want you to pause before you come to this text. When you read the Bible, something that I, I have a tendency to do. When I read the Bible, oftentimes I associate myself with the person that is doing everything right. Do you do the same thing? Okay, I'm the only one. That's okay. I, you can pray for me. 
When I read the Bible, my tendency is to, is to just say, oh yeah, all the good characteristics, I'll take those. Man, those Pharisees are always messing stuff up. But when we read the Bible, what we need to do is not try to say, oh, I'm this person or I'm that person. That's not the point. The point is, is that when you come to the Bible, you should say, God, what are the lessons that you're trying to teach me from all of the people in this story? Because the Bible is giving us a message from God. It's giving us communication from the heart of God to be applied to our lives. And there's things that we need to correct and there's things that we need to be encouraged by. And we need both, amen? So as we go into this passage, I don't want you to think about yourself as one of the people. I want you to listen and say, God, what can I learn from all the people, amen? All right, so here we go. I wanna read is Luke chapter seven, starting in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Excuse me. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. You know, I, I wanna stop real quickly. It says that this woman lived a sinful life. The implication is that she was a prostitute. And so the reputation that she had was not a good one in that, in that area. But I like how the Bible said it because the Bible says that she lived a sinful life. And I don't know, well actually I do know about you. All of us have lived a sinful life. None of us are better than anyone else because when we come before God, we are all sinners. Gonna keep going here. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I wanna look at this passage because this passage is an incredibly beautiful demonstration of one person's love for God. And as Jesus is, is kind of displaying this, this scenario that is unfolded before him and before all the people there, he gives a commentary and he makes a comparison between the Pharisee and the prostitute. And he says, let's look at the differences in how you showed me your love. 
I believe that this passage is Jesus trying to convince the Pharisee that he doesn't understand how bad of a sinner he actually is and how much love this woman has actually poured out. Sometimes we can get things flipped. Sometimes we can misunderstand things. But in this passage, Jesus was trying to set the record straight. This is the way I want to have a relationship. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We just ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, I pray that we would love much. I pray, oh God, Lord, that you would help us, oh God, Lord, to, Lord, receive your word and, Lord, allow it to change our lives. God, we pray that you would be pleased with the worship that we bring to you today. I pray as a church congregation, God, Lord, that we would come to you and that we would give you our very best, that we would give you our everything, oh God. Lord, that you'd be pleased with what we offer up to you. I pray, oh God, Lord, that that today, that this would be a sweet aroma in your nostrils. Even this sermon, oh God, Lord, every word that's spoken, God, it's all for you. Every song that we sing, every, every offering that was given, Lord, it's, it's not for us, it's for you. So God, we just want to give you our very best today. We want to offer ourselves completely to you, totally abandoned, holding nothing back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, I want to look at kind of this truth. I want to expound upon this truth and break it down and show you in this passage how Jesus makes the comparison between the Pharisee and the prostitute. And I want us to look at this truth here. Acknowledging what you have been given enables you to love him like he deserves. Acknowledging what you have been given enables you to love him like he deserves. You see, there was a lack in the love that the Pharisee showed, but there was an abundance in what the, prof, the, the, the prostitute offered. When you come to God, you have to understand what you came from in order to give him what he deserves. You have to understand how broken and how, how, how off we all are apart from Jesus. You know, sometimes I think that it, we, come to, we come to church and we come to, to, to be with God, to worship God and to, to hear a sermon, and we come with the, the desire to love God. That's why you're here today. I believe that. You're here to say, God, we lo I love you. And, and I'm, not, I'm not supposing anything else for you, but sometimes our hearts, we, we desire to go to a new place in showing God our affection. We desire to, to take it to a deeper level, and, and sometimes our hearts are even in a place where like, God, I just don't feel like giving this to you. Today, my prayer is that we would have a fresh revelation of who God is so that it wouldn't be a burden, just like it wasn't a burden for my daughter to jump into my lap. It's not a burden for us to say, God, I love you with everything that I have because I'm close to you, because I've had a revelation of who you are. And I believe that God is gonna do that for you. Look at this. Acknowledging his glory allows us to give him ours. In verse, in verse 44, he says, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You know what's interesting about this is that this woman was not invited. Pharisees didn't make it a habit of inviting prostitutes to their parties. She wasn't invited, she just heard. She heard Jesus is gonna be there. And you know what? I know that they don't want me to come, but I'm coming. Have you ever gone to a party that someone didn't want you to be at, right? Don't raise your hand. No one wanted her to be there, but she didn't care. She's like, I'm not going for all of them, I'm going for one person. 
I'm going for one person. And so she came uninvited. And there was a cultural, uh, you might be wondering, well, how did she get in? Well, in those days, there was actually this custom where um, the poor and different people could go to a feast and they could go to a celebration and they could actually stand against the wall and be observers uh, on, on some sort of event, some sort of dinner that was taking place. And so she took advantage of that custom and she got in the door and she took it to another level. She went in and she says, you know what? I came and I don't care about my reputation. You see, in order to give God glory, you have to be willing to lay yours down. In order to be able to give God the praise that he deserves, then you have to be able to go low and bow before him. This woman came into this room being judged and being condemned by all the people in the room and, and she, was lay, she was literally laying there crying. And she wasn't like, you know, squeaking out a little tears. It was an ugly cry. She was bawling over his feet. Tears were running down her face enough to wet his feet and to wash his feet. The tears were coming and she was, she's washing her feet. And you know, in those days, uh, hair, a woman's hair was her glory. It was like the thing that distinguished her as a woman. It was the thing that set her apart. And so it was disgraceful for a woman to let down her hair in public. It was something that probably only would have been done for, for her husband or at home. And it was something that would have brought incredible shame. But she didn't care because she didn't bring a towel and she says, his feet are worthy of my disgrace. His feet are worthy of me being humbled and, and, and looked down upon. My reputation doesn't matter at this moment. I'm not trying to earn the approval of anyone except for one. You know, when when we look at the Pharisee, on the other hand, the Pharisee came into the house, or excuse me, invited Jesus to the house, and he looked at Jesus as a peer. He looked at Jesus as, you know, oh, this is someone that is going to help my reputation because, you know, here's a famous traveling rabbi, and, and I'm a religious leader, and so, you know, uh, if he comes into my house, then obviously there's going to be a lot of people that are going to take notice of this, and, and this will be good for my reputation. And you know what? Sometimes being a Christian is good for your reputation. Sometimes having Jesus around can service your needs. And then there's other times where it's very inconvenient. There's other times in the workplace where no one asked you if you were a Christian. There's other times where it's very inconvenient to stand up for a certain conviction that you have and not to go along with a certain joke because you know that it's, it's, it's wrong and it's dirty. There's a time where you come into a certain situation where you're faced with an ethical decision and it doesn't look good to you to raise some sort of concern. But if you're doing things, if you have Jesus around to help your reputation, then you don't really have a good relationship, I can assure you. You see, when you have Jesus, you need to be willing to lay your glory down. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what your reputation looks like. It doesn't matter if it's convenient or inconvenient. You see, there's times when we invite Jesus into our own house and we look at him and we say, well, you can service my needs, but just don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to, to, to sacrifice or don't ask me to serve. I mean, you know, if you want to wash your feet, there's water, you know? But that's not what this woman did. She says, no, I want to give him everything. I want to treat him with the highest respect and the highest honor. I want to give him my very, very best. So when we look at this, look at this is this is incredible because, you know, sometimes we have to humble ourselves. Yesterday, I, I was uh, I was picking up some things and I, and I came into the building um, here yesterday. And uh, as I walked in, there was some people that were cleaning the church. 
and uh, nobody was here. Uh, it was just them, they were vacuuming, they were cleaning the bathrooms, and they were wiping the surfaces down and you know, making it um, clean. And you know, as I was walking through, I was like, man, nobody sees any of this. They come every week and they, they do this, this, this ministry and they, they serve, and you know what? They're doing it for you, kind of, but not really. It's more for Jesus. When you're, when you're, amen, when you're scrubbing a toilet, sometimes we think that the only way that we worship God is how much we sing, but I would, I, I would, I would actually maybe argue with you and say, you know what, you could worship Jesus from a higher place when you're cleaning a toilet than when you're just singing a song. You need both. There's something about serving and, and being willing to say, God, I'm going to get on my knees and I don't care how I look. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what my reputation is. I don't care if this task is below me. God, if it's for you, then it's worth it. And then I, I grabbed, I grabbed the, the tools. Actually, I was picking up some paint materials and I put them in my, my car and I drove I drove them over to um, a workshop that we, we do some of our, our sets at. We were, uh, there was a team of people painting. It was a Saturday, and there was a, there was a, a man there who's a, a working professional, very capable person, and he had um, definitely uh, painting. Um, he, he could have been doing a thousand other things on a Saturday. But he had a team of people there, and you know, he was, he was, he was just using the roller, and I came in, and he was happy as a lark. Everybody there was just painting, they're happy. And I came in, and no one was watching. No one was looking. And I walked in, and as I brought the, the tools in there, and they said, well, yeah, thanks, That's, this, is what, this is exactly what we need. And we're just painting away, we're happy because we're doing it for the Lord. And you know what? When you're doing something for God, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's cleaning a toilet or painting. But if you're willing and you say, God, I want to give this to you as my worship, then God looks down and he says, that's the kind of love that I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone to lay down their glory, to not say, oh, well, you know what? That's below me. I don't need to do that. And, you know, God understands that I'm busy. It's just, no, God, whatever you need, whatever you want, I want to give it to you. When you're willing to lay down your glory, that's when God gets his. You know, uh, look at this next, this next part. It says this, acknowledging his love allows us to passionately give him our affection. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You know, when I think uh, about this, part of me is like, man, that's kind of gross. <laughs> I don't say that disrespectfully. I mean, it's just, it, it is. It's that her, his feet were filthy. She didn't care. There was so much love inside of her that she, she's like, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kiss his feet. I don't care. <laughs> You know, sometimes when I'm, when I'm chasing my kids around and we're playing, sometimes I, I love them so much and they're trying to tell me something and they're like so cute that there's so much love in my heart, I, I don't even let them finish their sentence. I have to kiss them. Because they're so, I love them so much. There's so much love in my heart. I'm just like, and they're like, Dad, I'm trying to say something. And it's like, I don't care. Yeah, it's great. I love you. When there's love in your heart, you just, it comes out. It, you, you can't, listen, sometimes people come and they say, well, you know what, me and God, we, we have an understanding and it's okay for other people to be really expressive in the way that they love God. But for me and God, it's okay. He understands, he knows my heart. You know, there's a lot of people that think like that. And there's actually, you know, there's probably even some of you have actually been the recipient of a love like that. Maybe you even had a father who said, you know what, I provide food and I bring home a check and I pray for everything and that's good enough. You should know that I love you. But you know what? That doesn't do it, does it? You need to hear, I love you. You need to receive a hug. 
You need someone to say, I care about you. How are you? I love you so much. You see, because we intuitively know that if you don't demonstrate it, then you don't have it. If you don't demonstrate your love, then there's something that's lacking. When you have a revelation of who God is, you're able to pour out everything. You know, maybe, you know, I, I, listen, I grew up in a background where this is, people showing their affection for God was, was actually looked down upon. And, and so I understand some of us come from, from cultures or backgrounds where, where this is like totally abnormal. You don't know how to do this. It's okay. Just don't ignore it. Press in. You know, sometimes maybe for some of you, it means, you know, let me just lift my hands and worship. Some of you, maybe it's just, God, I love you. And you know, it's not just about the corporate time of worship. That's not, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about everywhere that you go. What is your personal devotional look like? What is your time alone in your prayer closet? And what is your worship time there look like? Because what you do there is going to determine what happens everywhere else. And when you're alone behind closed doors, that's when you can really say, God, I give you everything. I don't care what anyone else does because no one else is here. It's just me and you. When you're willing to pour out your affection, you're going to see that you're going to understand the heart of God even more. You know, I, I grew up, um, I grew up in a, 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 a military family and my dad, he was in the Navy and so he would go on tours and so sometimes he would be gone for like six months at a time. And so when he was gone, obviously it was really hard for our family and we were sad and all that, but when they would come back, it was like crazy. You see, because the ship is like this floating town, basically. It's like a city. It's a floating city. And so when they would come back, all of their families are waiting there at the dock. They are like ready to receive them. And, and I, I'll never forget, I mean, when you go to a, a time like that, it is like the most anticipation you've ever felt in your life. And you go, and these people, the dads and the brothers and the sons are getting off the ship, and they're coming down, and the, the, the moms are coming back, and, and you're looking, and all of the families, they are going nuts. They get off the ship, and you're looking, and you're like, oh, there they are, there they are. And you'll see families and kids, they are sprinting, running full hill, wives in dresses, heels, just running. They don't care. They wrap their arms around them and they're kissing his sloppy kisses and you're just like, that's kind of gross, but it's, no one cares. Because you know, it's like they love each other. And I don't, you know, you don't care what's going on around you. You don't care because you're like, no, everybody understands. I love them. No one is saying, you know what, uh, why don't you guys just chill out? Just, just calm down. No one's doing that because they know they like, there's a love that they've been, it's been bottled up and they've been waiting to pour it out. You know, sometimes it's, it's funny because we, we get this. I've, I, so this is, this is kind of funny. So I have this, I have this picture in my office, right? And it's a picture of me kissing my wife. And, um, and uh, I think, do they have it? I, th I think I have a, you guys have that? No? We'll see. It's probably better, yeah. But, <laughs> but it's like, I have this picture up and I'm kissing my wife and, and so I have it there and so sometimes it's funny because, oh there it is, yeah, 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 that's it. So I have that on my desk and uh, so it's funny because sometimes when I'm doing marriage counseling, you know, I, by the way, every marriage has problems. Did you know that? <laughs> because it's got people involved. So, the, a lot of the times, it's so funny because the wives, this has happened multiple times. I promise you this has happened multiple times. The wife, she's like, he just doesn't show me any affection. You see that picture? That's what I want. Bam! <laughs> As if this describes my marriage 
Oh yeah, it's always like that. They just snap the picture. It's totally impromptu. It's like, yeah, right. That's like a posed picture, you know? But we all know it's like, no, that's what love is supposed to feel like. That's what it's supposed to look like. You're supposed to show your affection. You're supposed to be able to pour it out over someone. You're supposed to say, this is what, this is what a relationship looks like. You're supposed to, to say, God, I love you. I love you with everything. You deserve my very best. You deserve it all. You know, when our relationship with God grows in affection, what I found is that we actually receive deeper revelations. Have you noticed that in a relationship? When you love someone and you talk about why you love someone and you express to them why you love them. Like I think about, you know, I was just recently talking to my son and we were talking and I just, I had like a new love for my son when I learned more about him. When he was like telling me about his life and he was explaining things to me and he was just talking to me about his day. I was like, man, this kid's amazing. I know he's my son, but that's the way it should be, right? I think my kids are amazing. And when you, when you get to know someone, then you have a deeper understanding of who they are and your love for them expands and it grows. That's what God wants, that's what he wants for you. And the final thing, and we're gonna pray here in a little bit, but acknowledging his sacrifice enables us to give him best. Listen, when Jesus came, he gave up everything. He gave up everything. He laid down everything. There was nothing that he left. He gave 100%. He literally poured out his blood for us. He poured out his life. There was nothing left that he could have given. And this woman, you see, she came into this room and she said, I understand what I've been forgiven from. I know how bad I've been. I know what I've done, and I know what he's given to me. I know he's given his everything to me, because I know who he is. She came to him. She had a little alabaster jar, the Bible says. And these jars, it was basically like a little, like a little vial. And the way that it works was these, these jars of perfume were worth about a year's wages. And when, when you would open it, you would have to actually break it. It was this little stone container, and you would actually have to break it. And so once you used it, it was a one-time use. So when she poured out this perfume on, on his feet, everyone in the room was like, Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Imagine a year's worth of wages just poured out, poured out over someone's feet one time. But she said, you know what? Jesus came through my town. I wasn't gonna miss this opportunity for the world. She took that vial and she came and she broke it open and she poured it over his feet, rubbing his feet and saying, I am willing to give you my very, very best. I'm willing to offer you my very best because you are worthy and because that's what you gave to me. You gave me your best and I wanna give you my best. You see, we can never match the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. You'll never be able to do it, but we can give our very best. We can say, God, I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna lay it all down for you because you laid it all down for me. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. 
as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. But who has been forgiven much loves much. If you just understand, if you just get a, if you just get a glimpse, if you get a revelation of what God has done for you, then you're going to say, God, now I have the source to be able to give you my very best. I'm going to lay it all down because you're worthy of it, because you deserve my praise. You deserve my worship. You deserve my service. You deserve my glory. You deserve everything I can give to you. There was a group of, of people called the Moravians. And the Moravians, um, back in the 1700s, were a group of people that, that uh, experienced revival. And they, it was, they, had a, they had a prayer meeting that went day and night for 100 years. They had people praying around the clock for 100 years. And they had a missionary movement that went forth from, uh, it was called Hernhut, was where they were. And it went forth from that place. And they reached, they, they spread the gospel all over the world. And it was an incredible, an incredible move of God. And I want to read you a story. There was two Moravian missionaries. Listen to this. Two young Moravians heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist British owner had 2,000 to 3,000 slaves. The owner had said, no preacher... No clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. But he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm through with all that nonsense. In response, the young man offered to sell themselves to the British planner to be slaves. The Moravian community from Hernhut came to see the two lads off who would never return again having freely sold themselves into a lifetime of slavery. As a member of the slave community, they would witness as Christians to the love of God. And as the ship slipped away, with the tide and the gap widened, the young man linked arms, raised their hands, and shouted across the spreading gap, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. I want to ask you, church, what is God worthy of? What is God worthy of from your life? Is there anything too much to give? Is there anything too much to lay down? Sometimes we can lose the impact of what Jesus did for us, but it's important to remember that Jesus, he came from heaven and he laid down his glory. He was the king in heaven. He didn't need to come. He had a perfect relationship with the Father, but the Bible says that he came because he loves us. Amen. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus came. He humbled himself as a servant even unto death. He showed his affection to us and even says in the book of John, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. The greatest affection, the greatest love that someone could offer, he, he gave it to us because in his sacrifice he says, greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus came because he loves you. Jesus came because he wants to have a relationship with you. And our response should be to say, God, whatever you want, you take it from my life. God, my very best, I'm gonna bring you my very best. I'm not holding anything back. I don't know what this means for you. I don't know how this looks for your life, but all I know is that God is not looking He's not looking for something that you can't bring. He's looking for something that is your best. You might say, well, I can't, I don't know if I, don't worry, just bring everything. I'm not gifted in this area, right? I can't do this, right? I don't, just bring it all. Some of you might be afraid to lay some things down for God. Some of you might be afraid that, you know, well, if I give myself totally to God, what if he's, 
you know, what if he sends me to a different country? If I lay everything down for the Lord, what if he, what if he takes away all that I have? So be it, it's worth it. It's worth it. I promise you'll never be able to out-sacrifice God. You won't. You could give up your whole life. You could give up every ounce of your energy. You could give up every ounce of your money and your resources. You could give up all your, all your worldly wealth. You could give it all up, and God will still have outdone you. He deserves everything. You know, the Bible says no matter what we give up here on earth, God, he repays it. Come on, let's stand to our feet. You know, today, maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor David, I, I want that. I want to be able to give my best. I want to be able to sacrifice. I want to be able to show affection. But you know what? I know it right here, but sometimes it's hard for me to show it from here. I know in my mind that I'm supposed to be willing to do whatever it takes and I'm supposed to be able to just shower my affection and my love on God, but sometimes I just don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't have that desire in my heart. Sometimes it's hard for me to even get myself to come to church. Sometimes it's hard for me to get myself to read my Bible and pray. Well, listen, I want to tell you something. The reason that this story is in the Bible is not to beat you up to say, man, you know what? You should really get it together because don't you know that you, God deserves it? That's not the purpose. Did you know that Jesus didn't condemn the Pharisee in this passage? He was teaching him a lesson. He was saying, hey, look, you got it wrong, Simon. You don't understand. You don't understand. I want to reveal who I really am to you because if you get me, then you'll demonstrate your love for me. I want you to know who I truly am because if you understand what I've done for you, if you understand how much I actually love you, if you understand how you need to be saved then you wouldn't have a problem with what this woman's doing you'd be doing the same thing so today can I encourage you if you don't feel if there's something that's hindering you you want it but you're just like God I just don't know how to get there let me tell you something this is this is a secret sometimes even the woman when she walked into the room she stood against the wall first then she went. Sometimes you need a revelation from God. Some of you, you need to know who God is for you. You need to have a personal, because I can tell you about it all day, but unless you experience it, unless you have your own revelation of who God is, then I could talk till I'm blue in the face, which I'm going to stop soon, but I could talk all day and it wouldn't matter. But today, you need a revelation from heaven so that you can give God his the glory that he deserves. So come on, you know what we need to do? Sometimes you have to worship your way into a revelation. Sometimes you don't feel it, just do it anyways. Sometimes you say, God, I don't know if I have what that woman had inside of her heart. Just pour out whatever you have. Just give him your best. Come on, lift up your hands. We're gonna sing to him, but I just want you to just cry out to him and just say, God, I love you. We thank you, come on, open up your mouth
There's probably a lot of other things that are going to happen today. I'm sure that you've got places that you've got to be. You got a lot of things that are going to happen this week that are on your mind. But just for a couple of moments, can we just put everything to the side? And can we just say, God, I don't even care who's standing next to me. I don't care what's going on in this room. Right now, I want to give you my all. I want to give you my very best. I want to show you my affection. I want to lift my heart to you in worship. I want to give you praise and honor, and I want to say, God, I love you. Come on, the band is going to play with all their hearts. The singers are going to sing with everything that they have. And I want you to pour out your very best to God. Come on, it's just a few moments, but can we just give him our very best? Come on, pour it out over him. We love you. Come on, open your mouth and give him praise. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we Just give him your own song. Just give him your own song. 
pray for a revelation, God. Pray for a revelation of your glory, a revelation of your affection and your love, a revelation of the, the, the immensity of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf, oh God. A revelation of what you've rescued us from, oh God. I pray, oh God, Lord, that we would acknowledge, oh God, Lord, everything that you've done for us so that we can give you the love that you deserve. God, I pray as we go home and as we go into our prayer closets, as we go into our kitchens and our, our cars, Lord, that we would have a revelation of you, oh God, a revelation of your goodness, a revelation of your glory, that we might be able to give you the love that you deserve. God, help us to love much. Worship you, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, come on, put your hands together.